All right, we're live. You can go ahead, Nick. Anytime. I'm I was, well, we were just uh, wondering. I mean, this is episode 14, and I was wondering, like, you know, with podcasting, do you need a rod and a reel, or is that just a fishing thing? And with Nick, you got to wonder if that's a serious question or not. No, you don't. It's a serious question. <laughs> anyway, welcome back. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And this is episode 14 of Rain City Supercars, and we've got a guest with us today. It's our good friend Sean, which most of you probably know if you've ever attended Exotics. He is the gatekeeper that you all fear. Well, most people know we call him Grandpa Viper, just because, you know, he, he tends to slither around. Oh, no, he has a Viper. I'm sorry. It's different. different. It, was, it was Grandpa Mustang before that. Oh, that's right. It was Grandpa Mustang. I forgot. I don't think he's that much older than us, actually. He's not, but it's still funny. <laughs> it's still funny. Well, welcome, Sean. We really appreciate you taking time. And, and for the viewers that don't know, it took a long time because we've been having some uh, technical issues. So we're trying. Yeah, it's great to be here. It was quite interesting to watch Dan work on this, by the way. Yeah, so we've got this Behringer UMC 404 HD, which I'm trying to mix three mics in versus them sharing a mic. I mean, they like to cuddle, but it's still not ideal for you guys as listeners. So I'm still working on it. I'm new at this. Forced cuddling is still cuddling. Yeah, it's been a day of trying to learn more JavaScript and trying to figure out microphone settings and drivers that don't exist. Do you want to learn to write with coffee? Yes. Oh, cool. That's where I was going to go. Where is it? Oh, okay. Stop trying to take all my corners. I've had so much coffee today. (laughs) And we worked out, and I'm still sore from last week working out. Thanks, M squared. Mm -hmm. Anyway. We really appreciate that. Then I fell off a chair earlier tonight, so that's not going to (laughs) help. But I digress. We really wanted to have Sean in here for a long time because we've been friends with Sean for a long time. Yeah. And have had the opportunity to have many meals with him and have some of the most hilarious stories come across the table at us and go, huh. That's not one I've heard before, you know? <laughs> Which is the best kind of friends. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, and that's why I wanted to bring him in is the fact that, you know, I mean, we're going we're gonna to touch on it, but I, I think as of like last year, Sean can go into Canada again, which is a good thing. Congratulations, Sean. Mazel tov. Yes. Yes, it is a very good thing. I really haven't pushed the envelope on that. The last time I tried to go into Canada was painful. Well, we'll yeah. get into that story. Cavity searches happen. It's fine. So what's funny is uh, I met Nick through Sean. And I met Sean before I met really anybody with Exotics or that crew. I didn't even think about that. You and I would not be friends except for for Sean. That's true. Mm -hmm. As many people will recognize back in the multiple episodes ago when I said I got Dan as a birthday present, Sean had been invited to my birthday. And he invited Dan just, and Dan thought it was just a regular night of drinking. I'll go out. And then, like I said, you know, the rest of history. It just happened to be Nick's birthday. But uh, I met Sean uh, via my very, very old friend, Jeff Miller, who if you are, if you've been around in the car industry a long time, you may recognize that name, even though he keeps a very low profile. Jeff has had his hands on so many show cars in this area, SEMA cars, the whole nine. He's a, he's an under promise and over deliver guy, which is amazing in the car world. And his work is second to none. I uh, was hanging out at Jeff's shop and Sean happened to be there. And I was asking about, I think you had an Alcan 5000 sticker on your car or an Alcan sticker. No, we were talking about Jim that used to work for him. He had that Audi with the Alcan stickers. And uh, we were there that at that point in time, Jeff had pretty much gone away from painting cars and had started his airplane painting. When was that? That was probably... Oh, boy. That was probably six years ago. Yeah, six or seven years ago. Yeah. So as we keep saying on this podcast, and I feel like a broken record, the car world is extremely small. And we are very, very fortunate to have so much of that talent here in the Pacific Northwest, which is... That's the whole reason Nick and I started this, is that 
people can get to know each other that it, and they get to know people they probably already know. They just don't know it. I've seen that guy's car, you know, and Nick well, and I joke about we, this. I know we know the cars, we don't know their names. I have no idea what their name is, but yeah. Oh, that guy with the the the, the dark silver viper and then the pretty girlfriend who has low standards. Oh, it's Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Dark they say silver. That, that I, thing's more blue than okay, silver. Okay, fine. Blue, silver, whatever. I'm surprised yeah, you can still see. It's sort of a um, dolphin gray. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's, you know, well, they call it's it very dolphin gray. Yeah, sleek crystal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no. Now, let's, let's get into, Sean, let's talk about your work. Because you don't actually, you don't work in the body shop business. You actually own an oil change facility and other things. Well, my, my day job with my business partner is we have three automotive quick lubes. They used to be franchised as oil can Henry's. Valvoline wanted oil can Henry's. They bought them and turned our world upside down literally a year and a half ago. So that's been, that's been a challenge. Um, my business partner and I are also involved in property development and building. And that's what I do. So, Sean, I, I'm, you're the three oil... Uh, sorry, I, to this day, I keep wanting to call them oil can Henry's. I, even I have not made the transition in my mind. Where, so where are I. those located, just out of curiosity? Uh, we have Everett, Marysville, Arlington. So, if any of our listeners are up there, you should, I mean, Sean runs a tight ship, and those are great. But yeah. If they, they were in our area, I'd use them more. <laughs> yeah, they'll actually screw on your oil filter, unlike the people who did my last oil change on my Z06. Thanks. You don't want to say a name? No, I'm not going to drop that name. Okay. No, don't do that. Yeah, I wouldn't Everybody do that. would never. Oh, yeah. Okay. Everybody has their moments. I just wish it wasn't on that car. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it makes a big mess, too. Yeah, luckily, I caught mine in time, but. Anyway, anyway, yes. if you need a good oil change, go see Sean or one of his shops. They'll take care of you. So, Sean, you've, you've been a car guy like us since you were born back in 1462. Um, Pretty close, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Back, back, back before, you know, Columbus sailed the ocean blue or whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> give us a little bit of a, a, a car history, you know, where you're trans, you know, not your transgender. Um, <laughs> That's a different podcast, Nick. Wow. Wow. Okay. It fits our demographic, but it's a different I podcast. Apologize. Yeah, I do apologize. But the, how you got from being a young child who liked cars to now and the cars you've owned and why you've owned them. I mean, you know, one of your fa- one of the cars you've owned that I loved that I think was, as we've always said, is underappreciated is you, you had a uh, convertible Mustang GT that was just, was pretty rare. But kind of give us a, a breakdown of what you've owned and why you've owned it and Oh wow! You want me to go clear back to when I got the first four-wheeled vehicle? Give me sure. your yeah, your first yeah. one, your most embarrassing one, because we all got one of those. Oh and yeah, your, I got a couple of. And those. your favorite one that you don't still own? You're that kind, you wish you. You're didn't. kind of a rare bird. You owned a Mustang, and it didn't kill anybody. I know, damnedest thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, there there are people out there that own PT cruises that are really fast, and even those run over people. So. Yeah, well, way back in the day, my dad thought I needed a go kart to keep me out of trouble. That would get me in so much trouble. Well, I was eight years old. That would still get me in a lot of trouble. So it was a really cool go-kart. It went 72 miles an hour. Good <laughs> Lord. Oh, it was awesome. You had a, Let me tell you. I'm sorry. You're an eight-year-old and you had a 72 mile... What the... Yeah. Do you want to know how I know it went 72 miles an hour? <laughs> you got pulled yes. over, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is why we love Sean. <laughs> yeah, okay, so... This is going to be a theme throughout tonight, just so we're clear. My parents are at work. I've got explicit instructions. Don't take the go-kart out Go kart out when we're not home. So what do I do? Take the go-kart out when they're not home. Yeah. I'm ripping around the neighborhood, having a jolly good time with a couple of my other friends, and I go blazing by one of Spokane Police Department's finest. And he didn't believe it when I went by him the first time. I had to do it again. <laughs> you know, and that was... Way to rub in the point. 
Yeah. It was a really difficult conversation, you know. Well, you had to do it twice. I mean, the first time he probably didn't have his radar gun out. So you started your criminal career at uh, eight. Uh, doing... <laughs> Pretty much, okay. yes. All right. Yeah, and I, uh, I went from the go-kart to motorcycles. Yeah. Okay, so to put this in perspective, I grew up in Spokane. We lived below Joe Albee Stadium in a, in a really nice, calm neighborhood, so to speak. A ton of off-road riding area across the highway. Yeah. What can go wrong? Everything. A lot. I forgot that you grew up in Spokane, that we're yeah. common ground there. Yeah, okay. So more than once, the neighbors would call the police because we're across the highway and having a good time making dust. Well, we'd all scatter. But that kind of entailed using pavement. Oh, yeah. I used to do that. Yeah, it always ends better. And all these bikes had, you know, they were licensed for the road, right? Not even. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you just... Haul butt home, hide the bike, yep. go in the house, pretend nothing happened. Yeah, I used to do that up in Arlington before our streets got developed. I used to live on a gravel road, 35th, that I grew up on. Uh, you guys on the podcast will know that is the same street as Angel of the Winds Casino up there. So before any of that was there, my parents had five acres up there. And so I used to ride my motorcycle up and down that road. And I knew, and there was cut back trails through everybody's property because people mm -hmm. would ride horses out there. So if I was a cop in there, I'd just cut into somebody's yard and go through and get away. It wasn't a big deal. They never really cared so because I wasn't causing any trouble besides riding my motorcycle. You're really working that statute of limitations tonight, aren't you, Dan? Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, I think what it comes down to is it all depends on where you grew up and how much you can get away with. Right. I never really did anything real bad. Yeah, same here. Like you know, I just, we were having fun. It's all it came down to. But the theme is, don't do any of the stuff that I've done. It's really not good for your driver's license. <laughs> I'm surprised you have one. but um, That makes two of us. Yeah. <laughs> good lawyers. <laughs> so you, made, you, went, you went from four wheels to two. And then, obviously, when you were 16, did you have a car? Or were you... How'd that go? Well, all of my money was going into racing motocross and flat track. So definitely two wheels still. I found a screaming deal on a 1958 Bug for $150. Oh. Pretty good do deal. I, do yeah. I, well, back then it was about average. Yeah, but now, man. Oh, I know. So I drag it home. My dad is absolutely ballistic. It's like, what are you thinking? Well, I need a car. You yeah. guys don't like me driving your stuff for good reason. <laughs> but so I, I buy that. I bring it home. I learned how to paint cars with that car because it was ugly. I learned how to put it, the engine back together in it twice. Yeah, 36 a, horsepower Volkswagens don't like to be over revved. I was going to say, that's hamsters. A, no. <laughs> yeah, that's a common theme on old Volkswagens, even up until, I mean, I, I had a, my Scirocco, that old thing mm -hmm. I had, and mm -hmm. it was like, I remember my buddy Brian and I, we swapped the motor on that thing in one night. It was just like, oh, slam dunk. It's like, oh, the motor's bad. Let's go to Campbell Nelson, the wrecking yard back in the day, and pick mm -hmm. one up for 300 bucks. Car's good to go again. Well, yeah, because <laughs> like, well, yeah, a lot of those Volkswagens, and you guys know that I better than I, it's like four bolts, right? Well, the old ones, yeah. 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 The air-cooled bugs are super easy. four bolts, a couple electrical wires, and a throttle cable. Hmm. And voila, it's on the ground. Interesting. Yeah, really easy to pull those. Mm -hmm. So what was your? So that was your first car. Yeah. What's your, what's your favorite car so far? The car that I actually, I don't, I've never really had a favorite favorite, so yeah. to speak. I really regret selling the Datsun 510 I had. That I dumped so freaking much money into. I regret you selling a Datsun 510. Yeah, it was a two-door. I don't know what a Datsun 510 is. Really? <laughs> really? I, you know, to be honest, I really don't. I, it, the truck? No. 
This is pre Sky, pre Skyline. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Then yes, I do. I'm yes. Yeah. Yeah. Japanese BMW 2002 is That's the best exactly. way to describe. Yeah, okay. It's exactly That's, what okay. it is. No. So yeah, that that car went through, I don't know how many changes. It went from a 1600 to a two liter. Went from a four speed to a five speed. The Datsun Comp catalog was like my crack addiction, so to speak. I mean, R180 with a limited slip. It got converted to four wheel disc brake. The car was great. And then for some stupid reason, I thought I needed a Corvette, so I sold it. I can't understand anybody ever doing that. Dan? Do you leave me out of this? I love my Corvette. Didn't you trade? Technically, didn't you trade in a Nissan or Datsun I did. I to buy a Corvette? I traded in Are my GTR. Are you sure this is not your real father? <laughs> yeah, I did trade in my GTR to buy a Corvette. And somebody was lucky. I took good care of that car, and it sold the same day I traded it in. That does not surprise me. Yeah. It's a beautiful car. So... Um, so okay, so that's your that's the car you regret selling, obviously. Well, that's one of the cars I regret selling. Okay. Yes. Okay. Do, do tell. I love, well, you've had a lot of cars. You have a great record of cars, actually. I've I've had a lot of cars. I've had too many cars, <clears throat> to speak. You know, that's six, not possible. A sixteen-year-old kid really also doesn't need a sixty-eight GTO. That's a Rammer three four hundred. You know, here again, red, white interior, absolutely gorgeous car. Even a hood tack. And it was one of those things where it belonged to a friend of mine's sister. She couldn't afford it, and the water pump had failed. It was leaking coolant everywhere. And she goes, I don't want the car anymore. How much money you got? So I said, well, I think I got this much. And she goes, yours. Have a nice day. Just get it out of here. Oh, man. Now, that was another car that caused my parents a lot of grief. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. I was a lot a, of steel going down I, the road. I, I am so lucky I grew up in a rural area without a lot of traffic. Because I drove like an idiot when I was a teenager. I, I mean, I totally admit that. Looking back now, I'm like, how did I not die? Cool. I can tell you the top speed on every car I had till I was probably my mid-20s. Oh, it gets better. No matter how bad they were. Yeah, it, it really honestly gets better. The GTO was the great street race car. Yeah. Okay, so we lived on Nine Mile Highway, which is a four-lane wide, yep. light, nice long straightaway. It was marked off in quarter-mile segments. The cool part is, I didn't live very far away. So I could go out there, street race, and haul butt home before the cops showed up. Yeah. Most of the time. <laughs> well, since the Statue of Libertations is, is up, uh, and my mom probably won't listen to this, I, I used to do that too. Everybody yeah. used to do that. Yeah, but I did it in a 1979 Ford Granada. I wasn't exactly <clears throat> winning. <laughs> I used to go over there um, when I worked nights for about five years. I worked nights, and I used to go to Spokane and see how fast I could get home. Because I was, and I, I mean, working nights, you have those roads to yourself most of the time. So I'd go out there on a dry day and go to Spokane and visit whoever. I had friends over there, and then I would just, I had a C6 Z06 and a road to myself. And two and a yeah, half hours. Is, that internet? Dan had friends. <laughs> there was a time it was more than Nick. Oh, <laughs> that matters. Yeah. We, we used to do something similar, but we were coming this way and then heading back that way. Yeah. Um, 1972 Ford LTT, Ford LTD with a 429. Dang. Yeah, it looked like a state patrol car. Feet per gallon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you leave Seattle, pray you're going to make it to Moses Lake to fill it up. Yep. <laughs> and then from Moses Lake to Spokane, and you roll into Spokane on fumes. Yeah, it was, that was a good car. The, the closest I ever had, I was doing my GTR road trip, and I was going over to Pikes Peak, so I was going through Colorado, but I hadn't tuned it properly for the intakes I had on it. So all those massive elevation changes to avoid running lean, that thing would default to just dumping fuel. And I mean, like, flames out the back dumping fuel because I, of course, had the cats removed in the whole nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I literally coasted into a gas station once, literally, on that trip. 
it was neutral and I was just like card shut off and it was all downhill. I was like, I am hoping there's something at the bottom of this, expecting to make a phone call. I literally ran two stop signs, middle of nowhere, Colorado, and coasted into a gas station. <laughs> and I was like, yes, winning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's there was a lot of cars I had that I wish I could go back and get back, really all joking aside. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, and my parents had really nice cars when I was growing up. I mean, my mom's car... The one that I liked the most was the one that I actually took to Spokane Raceway Park and bracket race till I got caught. It was a 72 Pontiac Grand Safari wagon with a 455 HO in it. Nice. <laughs> so being the ever-enterprising kid, I go buy a pair of steel wheels and put a set of uh, M&H Racemasters on it, throw them in the back, take it out there, and my dad's business partner's son and I would go out there and bracket race the car and have a good time. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. And my mom was always happy because she got the car back on Saturday morning spotlessly clean inside and out. Nice. Oh, yeah. You, you scrubbed all the rubber off the rear fenders? <laughs> well, yeah, and then we had to vacuum out all the gravel in the back from the other tires. <laughs> but, you know, so we're out there on a Friday night, and my dad's business partner's son comes running up, and he goes, we're in deep crap. He says, your dad and my dad are here. I'm like, Eh, we'll make the best of it. What's the worst that can happen? We don't walk for a week. Oh, your mom didn't know you were doing this. She just thought you were taking the car on Friday nights and then cleaning it. Yeah. Oh, They didn't okay. know what I was doing. I got, got this, I got this perfectly good GTO at home, but I couldn't shift that well. Okay. So, automatic, more consistent. Right. Got it. Yeah. yeah. I, I've often joked that you get the best, not the best driver, but the uh, an automatic uh, will almost always trump a stick on a, on a street race. Not because it's faster, because guys aren't willing to drop their clutch at 3,500 RPMs on a street race. Oh, I didn't have a problem with that. I had a, <laughs> it wasn't I had your a, clutch, Sean. <laughs> well, the station the GTO. The GTO. But the GTO would hang up between second and third, because even with the Hurst shifter to replace the stock one, that thing didn't like to shift very well. Hmm. Now, mind you, I was 16, year olds, 16 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. So None of us did. So were your yeah. dads there looking for you, or they just happened to be out on a Friday night? One of their employees mentioned that Stephen and I were out there having a good time on most Friday nights. Ah. So they decided to show up and check it out. So they show up. We'd run maybe four rounds. And I'm in the staging lanes. My dad comes walking up. He goes, I can't wait for breakfast tomorrow morning. (laughs) (laughs) What if I win? That's a pretty cool dad response, (laughs) to be honest. That's a very cool dad response. It, It really was at the time. He wasn't really upset. He was more upset about the fact that I didn't tell them what I was doing. Yeah. You know, I, I lived with the motto of don't ask, beg forgiveness. Yeah, exactly. It's easier to ask for uh, forgiveness than or Well, I mean, than get to be fair, they probably yeah. never looked at you, Sean, and said, Sean, are you buying new whims, tires, and going racing this car every night? And if they had, you would have been honest. I would have been. You just said, hey, Mom, I'm taking the car out on Friday night. <laughs> had she asked, you, you would have been honest, right? Pretty much. Okay, we're good. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. yeah. Totally fine. That's a good alibi. That's great. Yeah, breakfast the next morning wasn't so great. Yeah, I'm sure My your mom, mom was real pleased. Well, once she calmed down, you know, 45 minutes to an hour later, it was okay. Oh, also, anybody, if, uh, if I always want to hope, I, I'm always hoping some of the younger listeners, the guys that go to the stupid parking ride meets, are listening. Because if you really want to have some fun, bracket racing is awesome. It's a great way to learn how to drive and get off the line and know your car. Because you don't need to be the fastest car there. You need to be a better driver. And if you... With the rare exception of cars like the GTR, who pretty much are like hit rev, you know, hit launch mode and drop the, you know, it'll go. You're going to run tens if you're an idiot. 
But getting that reaction time down, that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Bracket racing is where it's at. It's not just this, the stupid street races they do are they're just dumb because it's just whoever has the most money usually wins because you're not pairing up like equal cars. Bracket racing puts you even. That's I did that back in high school and that was by far it's just fun and you get to know good people in the car community too. You'll have a good time doing it. Trust me. That's something you did that in Spokane, right? Yeah. That's something that lasted through to when I. I mean, I used to do that. I used to mm-hmm. take my Subaru out there. I yeah. used to Take my dad's seven series out there. I don't know if they quite know that, but um, <laughs> don't really want to yeah, tell them. Yeah, well, it's kind of out there now. Uh, but, hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. Yeah, I love you, Dad. No, no, no. But uh, yeah, that's that's something I, I agree with Dan. Like it, it's it's a lot of fun. It's great camaraderie. I mean, and it, you meet some really neat people, and you really learn how to work on your own car too. Yeah, and if you're, and it's great because the guy you're talking crap to with the line will come help you if your car breaks. Oh, absolutely! It's awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, that's a ton yeah. of fun. Well, so at this time, I still had that Datsun 510. Oh yeah. And somewhere along the line, I was in buying some parts for it, and this guy goes, "Hey, have you ever heard about autocrossing?" No. What is it? There we go. And it was like I went to the first one. I was hooked. And it was all downhill, and let's break out the $100 bills that I don't have. And I autocrossed that car for a long time. All right. Well, let's, uh, before we go into that further, because there's so many stories here, let's take a quick break because we're a little overdue, and then we will jump back in. Hey, this is Nick from Rain City Supercars. This part of the podcast is brought to you by M Squared Fitness. Personalized fitness, personalized performance. Find M Squared Fitness online at m2-fitness.com. Mentioned Rain City Supercars, get your first session free. All right, we're back uh, with our guest, Sean, who you guys all know as the gatekeeper from Exotics. Before we left, uh, Sean was going to start talking about autocross, and I'm glad we took a break because I thought that was where you go driving in a dress, and it's not. It's not autocross dressing. Um, so, you know, my mistake. I apologize, Sean. Um, but so tell us, you, you, you got this autocross bug. I think we should. I'm yeah. just going to hold on. You should probably make that a sport just because. I think you in a dress how would draw great, on a different... How great would that be? <laughs> Just show off and be like, what, this isn't normal? <laughs> you know, that's a great how, idea. How do you double clutch in pumps? <laughs> I'd love to know. Oh, is that, was that what they mean when they say pump the clutch? It's with pumps? I get it. Just to remind all of our listeners, this is Seattle. You do you, we don't care. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> exactly. Turn it into a sport, yeah. I got hooked on autocrossing because it, it involved a short course skill... And you were racing against similar cars and similar people. Datsun 510s were at a slight disadvantage compared to BMW 2002s, but it's nothing that, you know, a lot of practice and a lot of time couldn't fix. I got to the point where the last season I autocrossed, I wound up third overall in the class. It was at the expense of about 10,000 bucks worth of tires and suspension parts. That'll do it. <laughs> but I was, I was pretty much out of money at that point. I've left a lot of sports that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've it's... left a lot of women that way. <laughs> Out of money, yeah, <laughs> a few of those. Yeah, <laughs> I so... was funny story. We were we were back to our last episode. We were talking to Dominic Dobson, very talented race car driver. He was laughing and joking. So one of the fun things he likes to do is take his rental cars, figure out where these runs are up in the hills, like with the McLaren and Lamborghini guys, and just blow their doors off in like a Hyundai rental. <laughs> I'm like, you know how that must feel to those guys who have spent like two hundred plus thousand dollars on a supercar and this rental Hyundai comes blowing by them on the inside of a corner. And probably driving better, much better than they can. I, I mean, would yeah, totally. So. I would go buy. I would whoever passed me. I would find them and buy them a drink because it, that would be amazing. But anyway, as you're saying, yeah, it's road it's, racing. I, I morphed from autocrossing. I went into road racing with two of my friends, and we had a Datsun 240 GT2 race car. 
And it was, it was a nice car. It was definitely underfunded because we didn't have enough money to do it right. So we did local races. At that time, um, still had Westwood and British Columbia was operating. You had Portland, you had Seattle, and we'd go to Northern California. It was a blast. One of the years we scraped up enough money to run in the uh, SCCA runoffs at, at Seattle, and there was a crew behind us with a really nice transporter, really nice race cars. I had no clue what, who, what, or where they were. It was Bob Sharp Racing's operation. The name on the Z car was P.L. Newman. Wow. Yeah. Dang. And he's infamous with those cars. Yes. Yeah. Well, not only that, he saw what we were doing, had one of his crew guys Wait, come for over. For people that don't know, that, that's Paul Newman. He's the guy that made famous through the salad dressing. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> Just the salad dressing. Just the salad dressing. Yeah, his acting was he, had some, he was on screen for something. Probably yeah. salad dressing commercials. <laughs> Probably. Well, he saw what we were doing, and our, we were fairly competitive. So he had one of his crew guys come over and help us with the setup on the car. And then he came over and was talking to us, average, ordinary guy. And I'm standing there going, you're really Paul Newman. And he goes, yeah, don't, don't say it too loud, you know. And I go, everybody here knows who you are. And he goes, that's why I don't yeah, you wander didn't. around. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, it was great. I mean, yeah. so we had their help on that Saturday and Sunday. It was phenomenal. Then we go to Portland. And we get to park right next to them again. Nice. And so here we are. We've got their crew guys helping us put our car back together and make it work. So we did that. Um, that wow. got too expensive. That is so cool. Yeah, it was really cool. That was that was a highlight of that year and for years to come. I was going to say, the racing aside, like that, that alone was worth it. Oh, it was. Talk about it. That's a lifetime experience. Well, we... We kind of morphed from that into a Mitsubishi Starion for uh, showroom stock A. Nice. Yeah, that was a that was a real learning curve. Oh yeah. And I just want to put this out here for for people that really don't know. All joking aside, Paul Newman was an incredible actor, incredible race car driver, and most of his cars are now in the estate of uh, Adam Carolla from the Mo yeah. from the Man Show. Yes. Um, Go online and look it up and look at the histories. In fact, there's a movie that Adam Carolla did about Paul Newman's life. Yeah. I um, I forgot the name of it, and you can find it, but it is really an interesting story to see that this guy would act all week, and then he would go blow the doors off people. And his home track was in, uh, was it Connecticut? Or, yeah, yeah, it was Connecticut. Connecticut. It was Connecticut. Yeah. Um, but it's an incredible story. So they, it is kind of a big deal, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's more than a big deal. He is the, he is such an icon. I mean, yeah. it's like meeting Mario Andretti or somebody like that. It, oh, I wish he, I could have. Yeah, he is just—he is the man's man, if if there is one. I mean, yeah. he's a legend. Yeah, he is yeah. a legend. But he was—he was so nice and down to earth, and loaning us a crew member to help us with our problems. You know, it's like not something you would expect. How'd you do, by the way? Um, that particular day, we did sixth. We did a seventh in Portland. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, not bad yeah. for underfunded. Not well. Well, you had a good race, chief. Uh, yeah. <laughs> True. So, Very true. Since your racing career, you know you uh, you've owned many of cars. When I met you, and and I we used, always used to joke about it, but it really was kind of a cool car. It's got a cool story behind it. You had a a Mustang GT convertible, right? Yes, so, I did. So give me a little bit of the backstory. Like, there's a ton of story. You know, we joked, you know, that they jumped the curbs, and this, this one never hit anybody. But it was a really <laughs> nice car. No, it never hit anybody. It was well behaved. Yeah, it it was just a great car. It's one of those. It's one of those cars that. My dad saw it for sale, and he was in the midst of his battle with cancer, and he's like, you need to go buy this car. And I kind of blew it off. And then it's like, you need to go get this car. 
I blew it off. And he goes, you really need to go get this car. And I'm like, well, why don't you go buy it? And he goes, I'm not going to live long enough to enjoy it. You need to go buy it so I can enjoy it. So I go buy the car. I bring it home. Oh, it looked blue in the ad. No, it's gray. And so one thing leads to another. You know, it's, it was too quiet, so I had to put a really nice exhaust on it. Mustang brakes are horrific when they're stock. They don't work that great. Yeah. So, but Ford, through their racing performance parts programs, sells a really nice brake kit. It's not that expensive. All of a sudden, you have really nice brakes, which required new wheels, which required other things. And, and my dad oh, yeah. was really funny about this. He's like, oh, I think these would look really good on here. And it needs one of those grills with the lights in the middle. Take them out of the end. <laughs> the old style, yeah. yeah and I'm Parents like, are good at spending other people's money. My mom's done that to me. But the, the best thing about this is I'd come home from work. I didn't drive the car that much. I'd come home from work, and my dad's like, does it need gas? Do we need to go to the store? Can we just go somewhere, please? <laughs> That's adorable. So four yeah. out of five nights a week, I'd take him somewhere, anywhere he wanted to go. And, uh, you know, it was great. It, uh, it, I think it brightened up his last year of life, last two years of life. Made my mom happy because he was out of the house for an hour and a half or two hours. Well, but I mean, you know, and that's the neat thing is everybody has, has stories about these cars. And um, you pretty recently, when when you when did you trade that in to? Oh, that was last January. Last January. It's been a year. Yeah. Yeah, because you did what every normal car guy does. You go out and you bought a Viper in the middle of January. Yeah, that was a brilliant time. And that's a good time to buy. Well, the market's time low. The market, but like, yeah. test driving's a little tough, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I buy a 2006 Viper that's on its original rock-hard run-flat tires in the winter, in the rain. <laughs> what, you know, I mean, what, can what, go wrong? what was go I wrong. thinking? Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, yeah, we can ask Rose about what can go wrong. We're going down a hill. We make <laughs> a left turn. The car is doing a four-wheel drift at 15 miles an hour, and she goes, that's a telephone pole. I'm well aware of it. Thanks, honey. Yeah. <laughs> Way, but, way to point it out. No pedestrians were killed in the making of that. No, none. <laughs> the testing of the Viper. Um, <laughs> I mean, being as part of the exotic group and being a thug, we we you we sat and talked for years, and you were always, you know, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to buy that, and I'm going to buy this, and you you pulled the trigger on the Viper finally. What what caused that? It was a car that was on the list. Um, I really liked the Gen 3 and Gen 4 cars, just the shape of them. The fact that they're easier to get in and out of than a Gen 1 or Gen 2. My ultimate car if i could find one would be like a 76 77 porsche 930 turbo you know i mean well, let's, let's go with the widowmaker thing yeah i was gonna say that is a <laughs> widowmaker exactly is the right word okay well speaking so of vipers rolling the, coffin yeah the yeah. viper the viper has a lot of the same characteristics you point it in the general direction you want to go and you go yeah um if you lose attention fail to pay attention, or you're just screwing around, you're going to wind up doing something stupid like wreck the car. Right. They really aren't that hard to drive if you're paying attention. Now, I can I can honestly say that that car goes through several different modes, driving modes, while you're driving it between 60 and, oh, redline and fifth gear. Whatever speed that may be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can it drives it a lot in Mexico, Dan. Back off. Actually, it's a great that, road trip. That was between the Steel Bridge and Rockport. <laughs> we know that route. Away. Yeah, uh, so Sean helped me design the uh, the stress reliever route on Dan's drives, which is a very popular route. They have a ton mm -hmm. of photos on that. People who love that drive. Yeah, that, I know that section well. Yeah, all I, all I can say is coming <clears throat> back from Winthrop with my son in the car, a guy in a Hellcat Charger mm -hmm. wanted to play. And it was, it was kind of fun for a while. And then it got kind of old. And we got to that stretch 
between Rockport and the Steel Bridge, and it's like, I'm done. So downshifted, clear, downshifted to third and stood on it. And I did not back out of it till after I had to put it in sixth, the red line in fifth. And my son is in the passenger seat going, he's getting smaller. He's getting smaller. He's getting a lot smaller. And then he looked, he's like, how fast are we going? I go, I don't know. Yeah, let's not, let's not discuss that. Um, for those of you who don't know, that is in the middle of nowhere. He probably passed one house in that entire drive that nobody lives in. So Yeah, it's relatively safe. I'm give sure or it was take a closed road. At, totally closed uh, road yeah, so, in controlled conditions. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, by the way, I just have to reiterate, please don't do what I've done. It's not good for your driver's license. So <laughs> speaking of what you've done. Uh, um, hold on. <laughs> We've only had a little bit of time, and this is such a great story. I want to take a break because I want to walk through this. This is one of my favorite stories from anybody. And it's just before anybody, I mean, people in glass houses throw stones, but this, this story is great and it is so fun to listen to. And oh, that, I'm pretty sure he went through a house that metaphor story, was intentional. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, yeah. all right, yeah. so take a quick break. I know it hasn't been that long, but I want to take a quick break and get back to this. Cause I love this story. Hey everybody. This is Dan from rain city supercars. Rain City Supercars is brought to you by M Squared Fitness, personalized fitness and personalized performance. Nick and I are both members at M Squared and can personally testify to the great results. You can find M Squared Fitness at m2-fitness.com or on Facebook or Instagram at m2fitnessredmond. Mention Rain City Supercars and get your first visit free, but remember you've got to mention Rain City Supercars. And welcome back. As Dan said before, uh, one of Sean's stories is, is our favorite story. We're just going to let Sean kind of tell this story because, you know, you sort of sit in awe and I think it just needs to be heard. So, Sean, why can't you go, or you, why couldn't you go to Canada? Well, there, there, it's a two-part problem. In, in reality, what happened is I have some friends from Germany that really like Porsches and Mercedes, and they live in West Vancouver. And one of them lives in this area that's kind of nice, so to speak, and it's got some nice long roads with sharp turns. So we're coming back one night from dinner. It's dark. I'm not that familiar with the area. I'm driving because the owner of the car was in the back seat after having multiple beers. I was the smart one and didn't have any because I had planned to go home. We're heading down this road and I'm thinking that I got to take a left up here pretty quick because the road goes to the left. As I'm setting up to turn left, I realize... What were you driving? We're driving a uh, E55 AMG. Oh, Okay. Something so, with a little bit of power. Okay. Yeah. So we're hauling down the road. I'm setting the car up to turn left, realizing at the last moment, it's a, oh, crap, I got to turn right. I just yanked the steering wheel, hit the brakes, pitched the car sideways. In the process of doing that, I took out a whole bunch of pickets on a picket fence. And there was this really loud thump and then a crash. The thump was a mailbox. The crash was the mailbox going through a living room window. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't do this if you tried. Adna? Yes, Ed? Did you get the mail? No. <laughs> well, maybe it'll come to us. No, it won't, Edna. Crash. <laughs> so to put this in perspective, it's like 11 o'clock at night. The homeowners were in the home on their couch watching a movie. <laughs> and here comes the mailbox. Special <laughs> the, delivery. Ironically, they were watching You've Got Mail. But, uh, you know, who knew? So. Kind of hoping they were yeah, watching something absolutely. like that. So the mailbox goes through their living room window. You know, and it's not like it just hits the house. It hits the wall next to him in the house. <laughs> so we stop. I run back to the house, knock on the door, and it's like, are you guys okay? Are you okay? And it's like total silence. And I'm like, 
what just happened? Yeah. So the guy comes to the door and he goes, what did you do? I said, I hit your fence in your mailbox. I didn't really intend to pitch the mailbox through the window. What did you do, eh? You didn't hit the moose, did you? <laughs> I wish I would have. Yeah. But anyway, so they were like in shock. They were really nice. They did not call the RCMP. Thank you. We went back the next day, figured out what it was going to cost to fix the fence, the window, and the mailbox. The guy's wife was still pretty upset. Um, the dent on the wall inside the house was pretty impressive. <laughs> Missed the TV by about a foot. So that that was episode number one. Um, so this one didn't get you banned from Canada. No, this one didn't get me this banned from Canada. This was just entertaining. This one they, was they a prey. They didn't call the Mountain Police. I mean, it would have taken them months to get there in a moose. <laughs> I'm just glad they really didn't call the police because it would have been really hard to explain. I mean, how do you explain pitching a mailbox through a window with a car? It just doesn't happen. It's very impressive. All the genius. I mean, very few people can punt a mailbox with an E63 AMG. Master of physics with a car. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was it was bad. You know, and the damage on the car really wasn't bad except for where the mailbox hit it. That was that was kind of a bad dent. Mm Yeah, I've had a sign make a few dents in a few cars. Yeah. My bad. But what Thanks, got, Jeff. Sorry. Yeah, what yeah, thank you, Jeff. You fixed multiple cars for me. They weren't me. mine. And me. Um what got me to stay out of Canada was thinking that T C one was the equivalent of the Audubon. It's not. No. So we're east of Coquitlam. Same friends. This time it's an S600 that's tuned by Brabus. The car was fast. It came with this really cool certificate that said it had been authenticated at 204 miles an hour on the Audubon. Okay, so here I am. Washington driver's license. In a car that's fresh from Germany. No plates. It's got the temporary in the window, the temporary insurance tag. And we're heading back to West Vancouver on TC1. Why do so many of your stories... The cars don't have plates. I mean, before you got here tonight, you were talking to me about the fact that you get pulled over without plates. Well, it's play just one rules, of those. Sir. Play by the rules. Just I, one of those technicalities. No, I hate the tolls too. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, one thing leads to another. and we're, we're driving down TC1 and the speed keeps creeping up. And then it's like, ah, screw it. Just go for it. So we blow by a cop on the side of the road. It well and truly over the speed limit. Like, we were getting close to the top end of the car. Yeah, okay. You know, he's got a radio. I'm not going to get away, but I'm not going to back out of it either. I didn't see you. Yeah, well, <laughs> that was going to be my excuse. We blow by the second one that has his lights on. And we're going even faster at this point. The owner of the car is like, I'll get you a lawyer. Don't worry. <laughs> cool. Going to yeah. need it. Going to need it. That's a good friend. Yeah, that yeah. is a good friend. Yeah. So we blow by the third one. And I'm thinking, okay, it's time to stop. So I just start coasting. Well, the fourth and fifth one are literally on both sides of the road, kind of blocking the majority of the road. Not all of it, just the majority. So at that point, we've slowed down enough. We pull over. And I don't know why, but it's a universal thing. Why do police officers always ask you, do you know how fast you were going? No clue, sir. I I just look at them and go, no, actually, I was paying attention to the road. (laughs) And... Side t- tip, when an officer asks you that, never answer that question. No, it's no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no clue. You were looking ahead and were not paying attention. Yeah. Right. So we get to enjoy the company of half a dozen police officers and then a few <clears> more. <throat> and they're going through all the paperwork on the car. And 
it's like the the reoccurring theme is what were you thinking? And you can't give them an honest answer. You know, we were testing the theory the car would go 200 miles an hour. Bad well, answer. It was almost your job. I mean, you got a German certificate. Yeah. And you had to prove that in order to convert it over to Canadian certificates. Well, we have a saying in the industry, trust but verify. <laughs> Very <laughs> true. There you go. Trust but verify. So, and, and for those of you who don't know and are thinking that highway looks amazing on the map, and it absolutely is, they will pull your car at 40 kilometers over the speed limit in Canada now. Yes, they will. By pull your will. car, they mean they take your car. They take your car. Yeah. Yes, they can do that. So imagine this. You're from Washington State. Your driver's license is in your pocket. Your passport is in your car in your friend's driveway. And the car isn't really legal in Canada quite yet. And it's, it, it was a bad situation going downhill rapidly. Four and a half hours later, they finally figured out they weren't going to impound the car and they weren't going to take me to jail. Um, That's very nice of them. Yeah, it took them four and a half hours to figure that out, though, on the side of the road. You know, and it's like, dang, guys, come on. But you can't really get frustrated with them. You're trying to get out of the problem. Not go to jail. Yeah. (laughs) So I do the smart thing. As soon as they let us go, we go straight back to their house. I get in my car. I haul butt home. They find me an attorney who takes my statement and everything over the phone. So you were ticketed? Oh, yeah, in a big way. Okay, no, yeah, we just we skipped yeah. over it, but like you said, okay, you were ticketed. Oh, yeah, in a big way. Okay. They could never, none of them could agree on how fast I was going. <laughs> that was a good thing. The fact that we wouldn't admit to what we were doing was a better thing. The fact they didn't know what to do with the car because of its situation was an even better thing. But the attorney's like, yeah, I, I can do this. George told me what, you know, the whole, the whole story, so you tell me your version. I give him my version. He goes, what were you guys thinking? <laughs> and this is the attorney that's going to represent me in court. I wasn't. I was trying to get my friends home safe. Yeah. 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 Well, so when everything's all said and done, he's like, you know, when we get your court date, you can call and listen in. Don't come to court. You will go to jail. Perfect. Thanks for the advice. So he goes to court, gets everything handled. <clears throat> the judge wanted to know why I didn't go to court because he was going to throw me in jail. Right. I don't blame him a bit. Shortly thereafter, like a year or two later, they did the impound your car at 40K over the speed limit. Yeah. would <laughs> be a good representation of what, what should have been on the poster. No doubt. <laughs> so how long did um, this lawyer suggest you stay out of other countries, like Canada? Uh, the lawyer told me I should seriously stay out of Canada for seven years. Yeah. Minimum. Ten would be better. And the last time that I actually wanted to go to Canada was for a Volkswagen, air-cooled Volkswagen show at Port Coquitlam. And it took me 45 minutes to get across the border driving a 60-horsepower car that has no reasonable hope of going much over the speed limit. <laughs> so the first time I remember you telling me this story, we had planned to drive. And this was uh, some other friends of ours. And um, we had planned we were going to go, we were going to, go to Canada. And we were all planning, and then on, on, on out comes Sean in this very nice, calm voice and goes, well, then I can't go. And everybody went, well, Sean, we want you to go. You've got to come with us. And Sean goes, at this time, I can't go to Canada. <laughs> and we went, oh. And then the story came out and went, we, we didn't go to Canada. But uh, no, it was, I mean, it's, you know, who else 
who else can punt a mailbox and, and take a Barabbas S six hundred to its uh, top speed? So I mean, I'm a little jealous. I've always I remember there was an article a long time ago. I think I don't remember if it was Road and Track or Car and Driver, but I had all those magazines magazines as a kid, and the author who had whoever was driving it had three other people in the car with the air conditioning on and they were on a track going 205 miles an hour on this thing. And I was like, that is so cool. I want one of those. German engineering. German engineering. I mean, Incredibly expensive German engineering. Uh, Did he ever get the car legalized there? No, they wound up shipping it back to Germany. Wow. Um, they didn't want to run the risk of it getting impounded. So it was in mm. Canada for two and a half months and it went back to Germany. That's funny. There's... For straight, some strange reason, there's several R34 Skyline GTRs in the area with Canadian plates. I don't, well, I don't, want, I don't know why that I is. I have no idea. That seems strange. No. Uh, they visit a lot. <laughs> yeah, they come down every other day. Yeah. You know, it, it makes sense, you know. But, huh. yeah. Well, now that you can go back to Canada, I have a great drive we need to do as a group to Whistler. <laughs> that works for me. Actually, you know, it's fun. Uh, guys, if you're ever interested, the road above Whistler is where it's at. Go all the way up to Pemberton and around. I mean, it gets really bad if you go farther north uh, with the bad roads, but oh man, are you guys in for a treat. Just uh, keep it below 40k over if you want to have a good time. Yeah, I'd recommend like 30k or less over, personally. Yeah, there's actually another road from Hope, B.C. to Lillooet, B.C., which is 100% not paved. It's a uh, forest service road that is in use and connects, I mean, that's like 100 miles of completely off-road overlanding. If anyone wants to have some fun in Canada, I'd love traveling up there. That's one of my favorite places to drive. Let's take the vet. <laughs> Let's not. <laughs> Get like 10 feet down that road. <laughs> well, well, we tried. Yeah, I can see the shattered bodywork from here. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did a, uh, about a week after I got back from my GTR drive all over the country, I went up there for a GTR meet that I set up before I left, and we went up uh, Cypress Mountain, and oh, that's a great road, That too. is a fantastic road with beautiful views, and I recommend everybody go. It's an easy day drive from here. Man, that's... I went with the GTR Club, and those guys were fun to hang out with. So, anyway, so I think uh, we've pretty much come to the end. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed getting to know Sean. He's the guy you see at the gate at Exotics at Redmond Town Center. Be nice to him, because he will kick you out if you're a jerk. Thank you. Sean has the hardest yeah, job. I really of, appreciate that, actually. Sean has You're the hardest wonderful. job of all of yeah. us, by far. Of all the volunteers, Sean has by far the hardest job. And the best part is he volunteered for this volunteer job. So. Yeah, I just don't know what I was thinking. Actually, it's not so bad. I get to see every car that comes in, though. That's, That's true. Yeah. I think, you know, we're, let, let, let's take it there. Let's wrap up episode 14. Like Dan said, um, Sean, we really appreciate you coming. Rose, we appreciate you sitting over there quietly and, and, and glaring at him while he incriminates himself here. Yeah, thanks all for joining in. We hope you had a good time. Uh, Sean's been somebody we've been looking forward to having on. So with that, uh, don't just get there. Enjoy the drive and try not to get arrested in Canada.